0: Over the past century, significant changes have occurred in the area of women's Torah education. But a vibrant and ongoing debate persists about this subject. By exploring the treatment of this matter in the Talmudic sources and throughout Jewish history, we aim to gain a deeper understanding of the current landscape, the factors that have shaped it, and the pathways that lie ahead. In this week's parsha and parsha's Nasay, we learn about the Soita, the adulterous woman, and the whole procedure that is done in the Beis HaMikdash uh, in a case of Isha Soita. And according to what the Torah says, if the woman was guilty of adultery, then she was essentially supposed to die very soon after the meisotah was, uh, after she consumed the meisotah. However, the Mishnah throws in an important caveat. The Mishnah says that if the woman has a s'chus, then it can delay this inevitable uh, outcome. What type of s'chus? So the Gemara clarifies it's the s'chus related to Torah, because Torah is the most powerful s'chus. So what s'chus and Torah does the woman have? The and Teira that the woman has, the Gemara explains, is that she helps her children learn Teira, she helps her husband learn Teira, and that alone could make a delay a year. Another opinion says it could be two years. Another opinion says it could be three years. These are the delays that could happen uh, in order to that, uh, delaying the punishment for the Isha Soita. As a result of this, in the Mishnah, in Soita, and Peregimel, Ben Azai, one of the Tanoim, says the following statement. Mikan Omer ben Azai. Ben Azai says, based on, on what we just said, chay of Adam lalameid is bitoy Torah. A person is obligated to teach his daughter toyrah. Why is this? So he explains as follows. What's gonna happen? Imagine a woman doesn't learn toyrah and doesn't know this detail, this din, this caveat that a schos can delay the punishment. So she's gonna drink the mei soita. nothing's gonna happen. And she's going to immediately say, oh, the whole thing's a farce. She's going to go home, she's going to tell all her friends the whole thing is a farce, and that's going to be a terrible thing. We don't want that to happen. So therefore, we need them to know. So because we need the women to know, so therefore, here we see that there's an assumption of knowledge. There's an assumption that women would know that there is this idea of the schos being, uh, of the schos, uh, of the schos Torah. And so therefore, we say, chay of Adon lo may Torah, obligated to teach a woman Torah. Now, whether he meant that this is the Ereisei, he probably meant that it's a rabbinic obligation. He probably agreed with the underlying principle that stated elsewhere, that Minatoira women are pater from limatoirah, and he's probably saying that it's a rabbinic chiuf. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, if this is what you're trying to protect against, you could do something very simple. What do you do? You make a kinus, and you invite all the women, and you say, by the way, we have, I have one piece of crucial information that everyone needs to know. That there's this din of soita, but if a woman has a schos, it could delay the, result, the end result, and then you accomplish the goal. Why is it that we, we're deriving from this small detail the chayab adon alamid is bitai Torah, and now I know that I need to teach my daughter all of Torah? What's, what's, what's going on over here? So I think there are two possible approaches to understand the Shita of Azai. One approach is to say the following If you were to come and you were going to say that, The listener, the woman listening says, I know what it says in the Torah. And I'm familiar that it says in the text of the Torah that if you are guilty, you're gonna die. So now you're telling me this information? Where are you getting that from? So you need to say, ah, it's a drasha on the psukim. Where's the drasha on the psukim? Because the pasik is worded in a specific way and from there we derive this. You could imagine people saying, people are unfamiliar with how halacha works. That sounds like baloney to me. I don't believe, that doesn't sound right to me. When could a person be convinced that this drasha that Chazal made on this, whichever words they use, and I don't want to go into the drasha right now, but whichever words they use for this drasha, when is it convincing? It's convincing if all of your life or much of your life you're exposed to drashas Chazal and you know what a calvachoymer is, and you know what a Shav is, and you know what an extra word is, and you know what a meot is, and you know what a ribi is, and you see it applied in so many areas, and you see that the ta'alacha you're observing is relying on that. So then when you show me that based on that same system, we have this idea that, that, the, that the, the delay, about the delay factor, then I'm going to buy it. But just giving it as a piece of standalone information, it's not going to be impressive. So that's one solution uh, to this uh, problem. There's another possible solution to this problem, and that is that Ben Azai wasn't really basing his opinion off of this specific din. Ben Azai has a standalone opinion that comes from somewhere else that women need to learn today. And he's just pointing and saying that, by the way, here is a small indication to my larger view. Where might there be a hint for this idea? Because one of the famous things about Ben Azai is that when it came to marriage, he declined. And the Gemara in Yevomist, Taf Gimel, says that he said, "Uma What should I do? Chashka I strongly desire Torah. The world can go on procreation with other people being involved. And so therefore, I don't need to do this. Now, what do you see from here? What you see from here is even the, what some would say is the most important mitzvah. The mitzvah of pur The first mitzvah in the Torah. Even that mitzvah, we have a reality in where Ben-Azai is saying, thanks, but no thanks, I don't want to get involved. In other words... What's bigger, Talmud or Maiseh? The famous discussion of the Gemara, what's greater, Talmud or Maiseh? And it seems that Ben-Azai would hold very clearly that Talmud is the greatest thing. Or, to put it in other words, and Reb Sadek of Lublin, in his Sefer on the Rambam, uh, uh, on the relevant passage in the Rambam, interprets it this way. How does a Jew derive spiritual life? According to Ben-Azai, it's only Torah. There are other ways... In other opinions, or other ways. You can get through mitzvahs or other areas. But for Ben-Azai, it's clearly only Torah. And that's why he says, I don't care about my... I'm, not I don't care, but I'm, I'm, I'm disregarding even the mitzvah of Revu because Torah is the most important thing. If that's what you believe then as a result, you're going to believe that you need to educate women and that you need to educate daughters, because that is the only path, essentially, to connect to Hashem. And it could be that's the underlying shit that the Ben Azai has. Then it comes to Mesecha Saita, and he says, oh, by the way, here is an indication where we're assuming knowledge. So not that it's, it's not so one the Lushan, because the Lushan of the mission is Mikan Uymer Ben Azai. The Ben Azai is deriving it from here. But Rapsadik says that it looks like that you read Mikan, here is another indication for the idea that women are learning Torah, even if this is not the base. So that's two approaches for dealing with the problem that I raised a moment ago. But the bottom line is, we have a Shita Ben Azai. In summary, what do we do right now? We saw that Ben Azai held, there's a Chiyov to teach women Torah. Ad Kan, the Shitta of Ben Azai. However, he's not the final word on this uh, question. And in that very same Mishnah, Mesecha Soita, Rabbi Eliezer, another Tana. Disagrees and in fact not only it disagrees, but he uses very sharp language and rabbi Eliezer says call him a anyone who teaches his daughter ki Keilu melanda tiflus it's as though he's teaching her the fancy word for this is licentiousness which essentially means uh, uh, Non-sneestika behavior sexual immorality now whoa that sounds like a non sequitur How do you get to teaching your daughter Torah leads to sexual immorality? How, how does that even happen? So Rashi Al-Assar explains basically as follows, that what we're con- the, con- the concern here is that when a person is very simple, so they're, they're, the, 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 they're, they aren't intelligent enough to, so to speak, skirt the law. But when a person becomes sophisticated, they could also become shrewd. When a person becomes smart they could also become devious and that's the idea of using knowledge and sophistication and 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 and, um, and cunningness to do to, to do negative behavior so the idea is that basically there's a certain mistrust it seems that women want to at least at times engage in negative behavior but they're going to be caught and they're not they don't know how to do it effectively if you're going to teach them taira, what's going to happen is they're going to have Mumis. She's gonna get, she's gonna gain cunningness from the process of learning, because you develop the mind and you become sophisticated and smart and street smart and all those things. And then, and then she's gonna do it in a way where it's gonna be concealed. And now she thinks she could get away with it, and she's gonna go on with this uh, behavior. When you read this Rashi together with Rabbi Eliezer, um, it stings. I think it stings. Uh, on a few levels. First of all, we live in an era where the whole idea of uh, of, of concealing knowledge, of not sharing knowledge is out of, out of style. Today, else is often, uh, all information, right, even the concept of government secrets, some people believe there shouldn't be such a thing. Uh, remember, there was once a time that for most Jews, there was an entire area of Torah, Kabbalah, that was Known that this is something you can't learn and, and it was like accepted So there was like this understanding that uh, there may be an area of Torah that I'm not ga- that I'm not getting that I'm not that, that I don't have access to today open access So on, just on that level when you learn this is like what that's number one number two You know Torah is so central to our identity as yiddin and our identity as Jews That the idea that you keep it away from half of Klaal Yisrael is also like again That's like a little bit of a shocking thing and the third thing is, there's like a certain underlying assumption here, as the Gemara often says, like are we talking about wicked people? And there's a certain mistrust uh, of women here, where it seems like we, th- they're going in a negative way, and if we give them knowledge, then it's just gonna be weaponized uh, in a negative way, and I think for, for many of us who read this, we're like, I don't know if I fully understand what that is, but okay. These are, this is what Rashi says, Rabbi Eliezer says. Now possibly, because of some of the things that I just said, the Rambam actually offers a different interpretation of what Rabbi Eliezer meant. Because Rashi is based on the idea that Tiflos has something to do with tznihistic behavior. However, the Rambam learns that Tiflos actually is Molossian, Shav and Hevel. False, emptiness, vanity, and what is his idea? The idea basically is, you're teaching them Torah, you're teaching them nothingness. Now what would the meaning of that be? So the meaning, and we'll soon see, he clarifies the mission Torah, is because they're not capable to understand. And if they're not capable to understand, so you're teaching them, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your time, you're wasting her time, you're wasting everyone's time, and we know time is precious and important. So if you're teaching it, it's like you're teaching lies, you're teaching emptiness, you're teaching vanity. Okay, so now you could think in your mind, uh, you know, this, is, this, this doesn't have some of the sting that Rashi's in, in, interpret, interpretation have. On the, oth- on the other hand, this is stating that women don't have the ability to comprehend areas of Torah. So that itself is also something we look today as a modern reader, and we're like, I don't know if I fully understand that, or at least not fully to the degree that the the Rambam would be saying that. Okay, but this is the machloikas of the Tanoim that we have. Ben says, teach women Torah. Rabbi Eliezer says, metarnisht. Presumably, it's a machoikeus de Rabbonon. In other words, he's saying, mida you're obligated. He's saying, mida it's a bad idea. And now the question becomes, so what is the final halacha? So there is a Paisic, not so well-known, but in Italy, in his day, he was very well-known. He lived in the 1200s. In Italy, his name was Reb Shaya Achren, meaning he's Reb Shaya II. He had a Zayda named Reb Shaya. When we learned uh, Gemara on the side, sometimes you saw Toises Rid. Taishas Rid is his grandfather, Yeshaya de Trani. The Enakul is Rabbi Shaya, and he's called Rabbi Shaya, in the later Rabbi Shaya. He lived in the 1200s, and he wrote a P'sak Halacha um, uh, digest on the Gemara. And look what he writes. He writes, Although a woman is not ob- obligated to learn Torah, If she wants, she totally has the permission, which is a. Uh, in, in ratzah lambda excuse me, if you want a teacher, you have the permission to teach her. So that is against the words of Rabbi Eliezer, siding with Ben-Azai. Then he goes on to say, and, and he adds, in fact, during the times of the base HaMikdash, when they used to have the story of the Saita, then it's not a permission for a father to teach. It would have been obligatory for the reason that Ben-Azai had said before. In other words, Rabbi Shaya is passing like Ben-Azai. And he's just saying that it's only an obligation, bisman habayis, because... Remember Ben-Azai's point of concern, at least in one way of reading it before, was that the soita process should work out properly, and for that he wanted Limadat Torah. When you don't have the base Hamikdash, so then it's okay, it's a Rishos, but clearly it's not Rabbi Eliezer. Now, if this would have been the Psaqt, all Polskim would have taken, so then maybe things would have looked one way. The reality is that most poskim didn't go in this direction. And let's look at the Rambam in Hilkos Talmud Torah. So generally speaking, the Gemara doesn't pasken, the Gemara gives shittis. What happens is, one of the major jobs of poiskim is to try to tell from the tone and the style of the Gemara who it's paskening like. So for example, if there's a certain view that gets more attention, if there's a between Ben Aza and Rabbi and the shittas of Rabbi Lezer gets more attention, there's more questions on it, and it's just garnering more discussion, then that's one of the clues for poiskim that the halacha is going to be like Rabbi Eliezer. And in fact, that's how when the Rambam is going to pass like Rabbi Eliezer, some of the commentaries ask why. It's, like, it's not like we have this rule that the halacha is always like, like Rabbi Eliezer. In fact, there's sources that indicate that you know, he was a little more from the school of Shammai and lavdavka the halacha is always like him. But in the Talmud Bavli, I didn't bring it in the class, there's a little more discussion on his shittah than on Benazai's shittah. And that's one of the reasons that people, the uh, Mefarshim say that the Rambam paskin's like Rabbi Eliezer. Let's see the words that he uses. Says the Rambam in Do not teach a daughter Torah. So not everyone, but he says the majority of women. And by the way, he does not say nairois and ketanos; he says nasim. They're not prepared to be taught. And they are going to apply the Torah in a empty way in accordance with the fact that they, they, that they don't have the ability to understand it properly. And then he quotes the teaching from Rabbi Eliezer, which, remember, in Pirates of Mishnah, he told us, Tiflos means nothingness. Okay, so here we have the Rambam, paskining like Rabbi Eliezer. By the way, there's no exceptions for any area of Jewish law that's mentioned over here. He just says this is something that should not be done uh, for the reason of paskining like Rabbi Eliezer. The tor paskining like the Rambam. The Shokhanarach, Rabbi Yisuf Karo, Paskans like the Rambam. We'll come to Rama later on. In fact, the Torah actually has an interesting vart in Parshat Kiseteh when it says that there's an isser for a, a woman to wear man's clothes. Loisia kli gever al-isha. So he points out that gever al-isha is gematria 611. What's gematria 611? Torah is gematria 611. Loisia kli gever al-isha is loisia kli Torah al-isha. A woman shouldn't be adorned with Torah. Okay, so that's the the Balaturim following what he does in his Halacha Sefer, doing it also in the Balaturim in his short commentary that he has on the Torah. Now, although this is the Halacha, the reality is that from day one, from the time to the Tanoim, all the way down through every single er era in Jewish history, there have been women who are very knowledgeable in different areas in Torah. In fact, there are a few collections where people try to document all of them. Uh, we're not going to go through all of them. We're going to point to one or two uh, of the more interesting ones. Obviously, it's going to raise a question. How do you have that together with Ta'alacha being like Rabbi Eliezer? So the two examples that we're going to look at is, first of all, is the famous uh, case of Bruria, who is mentioned in the Gemara. But rather than turning to a text of the Gemara, I'd rather look at one of the medieval sources who quotes it. This is Reb Shimshon Mekinoi. Reb Shem lived in Ashkenaz. He uh, lived during the 13th century. And he wrote a sefer called Sefer Akrisus. And this book, Sefer Akrisus, is actually Klalea Talmud. He goes through the Yud Gimel Midas explaining them. He goes through the lamid Beis Midas explaining them. He explains like the Klalea Talmud, how uh, you know, Halacha works and how the Gemara generally works. And along the way, by the way, he's famous because there's a line that Sanach Sadek brings in a mimer from the tshuva of another of who quotes him, Rabshim Shem You all heard that line. The line is, that when I dive in, I dive in with uh, the, the mindset of a child. And he was trying to mean, no Kabbalah, I don't need spheres and stuff, I just focus on God. That's brought in Hasidus very often. Who is the one who said that line? Is Reb Shem, Shem Mikinoim, quoted in the Tshuva by the Rivash. But anyway, here in his Sefer Akrisus, look what he writes. Matzinu Isha Niskeres bebraiza Chaylekes In Hatanoim or Kedin we find a woman mentioned in the Brisa who is arguing with the Tanoim, just like a Tana. Where and he gives a Malamokim, Maseches Kalim. There's a discussion over there in Perek Aleph of Baba Metzia, Maseches Kalim has 30 chapters. So just like Nizikin had 30 chapters and it was divided into Baba kambo and Baba Basra, so too Maseches Kalim was divided into three, and this is. Perak Aleph of the second section, Baba Metziah of Kalim, that, there's a machloikas over there, and then Bruria said what she thinks, and when Bruria's words were repeated, Yeshua said, She said the right thing. In other words, the other rabbis, where the halacha was not like them, and the halacha dafke was like Bruya. Bruya is the wife of the the daughter of Hanina ben Tradyon. So says Reb and Mekina, and look at this line. I went off my track, what I was in the middle of talking about, only to point out the novelty. To show you that there's a woman who's involved in the discussion of the Tanoim. So this is one example. There's another very interesting example that comes from the travelogue of one of the Dushoyinim, Rapsachia of Regensburg. Rapsachia of Regensburg sometime in the year, uh, around the year 1175, he leaves Ashkenaz and he goes travels around the world and he writes about his experiences and his travels There's a lot of interesting things that we're able to learn from this account. He writes about what he saw in Baghdad. And in Baghdad there was a rabbi by the name of Shmuel Ben-Eli. Shmuel Ben-Eli is a bar of the Rambam, meaning he, was a, he felt that the Rambam He's the one who led the campaign that the Rambam didn't do enough to promote the belief in Tchias Amesim and Mishnah Torah, and so he, uh, uh, he 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 had a strong voice about about that, which generated a controversy and responses and attacks and counter attacks. So this is this Reb Shmuel Ben Eli. So Reb Shmuel Reb Sahia, writes in his travelogue that Reb Shmuel has first of all he has Yichis all the way to Shmuel HaRamasi, Fun. Then it says he doesn't have any sons. He only has one daughter. Doesn't even give her a name. V'hi She's baki, in krio is Tanach and Talmud is Talmud, Gemara. V'hi Bahrim ha'loi She's teaching the bacharim through a window. V'hi Skura b'binyin, she's inside the the, the building. Ha'talmidah machutz lamata, they're outside the window, lower down. they don't see it. Remember, you're dealing here in 12th century Baghdad. The Tzniyas in general society was very, very strict there. Uh, I think he writes in his account, Men on the street don't see women, they just don't encounter uh, women. So it's not surprising to see a, a, a strong uh, element of Tzmias here. But what's fascinating is that despite that, the daughter of Shmuel's daughter is teaching the bachrin Now, when I first read this, I'm like, this doesn't really sound like a very good educational model. For you to have a teacher who's in a building, and you're outside the building, and that they're inside and you're outside and, and you can't even see her. Uh, how is this? Uh, but I read the full chapter, and I think I got a little more of a context here. When he describes how students learn from their male teachers, the Rosh Yeshivas, it's a very, I don't know what the right word is, but it's a very distancing type of uh, a relationship. So he describes that there's a Rosh Yeshiva sitting here, and the Rosh Yeshiva has two Maturgamans, one on his right and one on his left. The Rosh Yeshiva never speaks to the students. Rosh Hashiva speaks to the Maturgaman and says, Tell them they're doing gittin. Tell them on the right this and this and this and this. Then the Maturgaman starts talking and explains and elaborates. Then he turns to the Maturgaman on his left. He says, They're doing Kedushin over here. You tell them this and this and this and this. The Maturgaman elaborates and explains, and he just sits there. And then the students, when they have questions, they have to ask the Maturgaman. If the Maturgaman doesn't know the answer, then he'll pass it on to the Rosh Hashiva. So when I saw that, I realized there's a whole different context here of the relationship between the teacher and the student. So all of a sudden, it doesn't sound so crazy for a, the woman teacher to be inside the Building of the students not having uh, so to speak direct access to her but the main point that we derive from here is this is a second example of the idea of woman being very knowledgeable now if you paskin like rabbi eliezer the question is how do you have this result it's not just two there are hundreds there are hundreds of these and there are many more that we don't know of now of course I don't want to suggest that this was the norm these were obviously exceptions, but even an exception, how did this happen? So there are two basic answers that are given to this question without having to rock the boat too much. One is given by Rabbi Yeshua Falk Katz, who's the author of the Sefer Mira Sanayam on the Shulchan Aruch. He's also the, uh, the author of the Sefer the Prisha, and it's from the Prisha. He's writing in the 1500s, and he writes as follows. The Lashen of the Rambam was roiv nashim. Most women can't do it, he says. Ava, and number, that's Diok number one. Diok number two, the whole framing, both of Rabbi Eliezer and the Rambam is not to teach, not to teach, not to teach. Never said anything about not learning. If a woman learnt on her own, if she's an autodidact, Then on Urayin, then we see Shayatza Meharay. Then obviously she's not like the masses, she's not like the regular. And then obviously you're not going to have any of the problems. And Anamitesila Divreavad, she's not going to misunderstand the Torah into nothingness. And so all of a sudden we have here a model that says yes, but there's an exception. People shouldn't teach women Torah because of the majority. Women have the ability to extract themselves from the majority. How do they do that? By demonstrating a willingness and a desire to learn. And once they've done that, no problem. So this is one solution. The gives another solution, which is a small variation. You need to wait for the girl to move on her own and to show that she's doing this on her own. If you, as an educator or a parent, are able to tell that this girl is different from the regular and she is very talented, so then go ahead and teach her, and he says that's what happened with Bruria. uh, So these are the two explanations that we have, either cause of self-learning or because you noticed and taught her as being uh, exceptional, the bottom line is yes. There is rule for an exception to the rule. But other than that, it it, it proves the rule in the sense that it endorses the rule. The rule is that overall, women should not be learning Torah. And as of now, we didn't see any exceptions other than this very unique demographic. Things changed in a significant way, or at least began to change in a significant way when we come to the story of Chassidei Ashkenaz. Chassidei Ashkenaz, they didn't call themselves Chassidei Ashkenaz, they called themselves Hasidim. This is a group that existed in Germany, and the Rhineland around the late 1100s and the 1200s, the 1300s. And this is a group, the Sefer Hasidim, that we're familiar with. And Savas Rabbi Yehuda Chasid comes from this, the Reikeach. Rabbi Lezar Reikeach was one of the Rabbonim within this movement. And it's a fascinating movement in terms of they're very particular about specific things. And they care about specific things, they promote certain things, more than the average of, uh, of, Yehudis, uh, of Yahadus Ashkenaz uh, at the time. And, um, and it's against that backdrop that uh, we're gonna start seeing a change. Now, before I show you that, let me just point to a text from, uh, um, uh, there's a professor in Israel, Ephraim Orbach. And he wrote a Sefer a two-volume book on the Toysus called Balya Toysus. And in his first volume on page 18, he quotes from a non-Jewish uh, source, a, stu- a student from a famous uh, Catholic theologian, the Catholic theologian's name was Peter Abelard. And Abelard lived, he died in the year 1142, and he had a student who's writing later in the 1100s, early 1200s, he's writing. What is the student right? The student is basically preaching to a Christian audience in this book. And he writes, we Christians, we have a big problem with our educational system. Because parents, when they want to educate for, uh, to be a good Christian, they, they, they do it, what he writes is for the wrong reasons. They take one son, And they send that one son to learn theology and to learn the religion and all that, and why? And the rest not, and only one son, why? The idea is because in those days it was a good business to be involved in the clergy. And another plus is you didn't get married, at least not officially. So there's no children, there's no heirs. So you have someone who's well-connected, who's part of the elite, and he's gonna gain wealth, and when he dies, that goes to the family. So it's a good idea to always have, it's just a good investment to put one person of your family, put him into uh, uh, the monastery. And he writes that that's doing it for the wrong reason. And then he says, and this is very interesting, he says, but the Jews, look at the Jews, right? And he says, the Jews, they have a different. If a Jew has, he writes, 10 children, he'll send all of them to learn, not for any benefit, but just because they want to understand the Torah, of their Torah, God's Torah. And then he says, and not just the boys, but also the girls. This is the text from the student of Peter Abelard that is quoted by Ephraim Orbach in Bale Hathosis. Again, written sometimes in the late 1100s, early 1200s. Now we need to ask ourselves, you have a text here, you have someone saying that the girls are getting an education. But everything that we saw before didn't lead us to that result. And it doesn't sound like this is an exception. It sounds like there's some sort of norm about education that's here. Uh, now obviously, you know, if you're trying to give your congregation a hard time, maybe you play up what's going on by the other people in a way that you're saying a little more than the reality is. But still, if he's preaching to his people, and they're all like, what are you talking about? Our Jewish neighbors, none of them are educating your daughters. So some of this has to stick. And so as a result of this, uh, people look at this and say, there had to have been something here about education of girls that, uh, that, that could have been in reference. And that's where a Sefer Chassidim comes in. Because I'm gonna show you that a Sefer Chassidim polemicizes about the need to have education for girls, which tells us, number one, it was controversial. Some people didn't like it. But number two, it also tells us that some of them, and there were communities who were doing this. So let's read this passage in the Sefer Chassidim. He says as follows. A person is obligated to teach his daughter, the mitzvot, the piske didn't. Aye, ah, the Gemara says, ki tiflos." That if you teach Torah, it's like you're te- teaching tiflos. And I'm not sure which interpretation of tiflos he's going with. Don't worry about that. Zeh That's learning deep Talmud. Vitama That's learning, investigating the purpose of the mitzvahs. the secrets of the Torah, Kabbalah. And they're like, that ain't did not cut le'katon, women and children not. Avo hilches mitzvahs, the dinim, Ya lo, you gotta teach her. Im da d'hocheh if she doesn't know of Shabbos, ach t'chshmer Shabbos. How's she gonna keep Shabbos? V'chein kol mitzvah k'deh l'aseh li'zor be' you gotta teach them the mitzvahs so that they know how to do it. Now, where's my evidence? He's making a reasonable argument, but at the end of the day, where's your Talmudic evidence that this is something that you need to do? So he quotes two things. Number one, he quotes a Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says that during the times of Khiski Melech, they made a census in the land of Israel, and they saw that everyone was bucky in dinim of Tuma and Tara. He quotes it as Taras and Kotchef. And the language of the Gemara there is men and women, boys and girls. Everyone was bucky in the nuances of Tuma and Tara. Nu, no. what do you see from here, says the Sefer Chasidim, presumably authored by Nabi Huda HaChassid, you see here that there's education. Otherwise, how do they have, how do they have this knowledge during the time of Chizkiah? Then he points to another text, the story of Hakel. We're in Shanas Hakel now. So it's good that we're talking about Hakel. And in Hakel, what do you have? Annashim, nashim and Taf. Came to hear what? Words of Taira. And much of what they heard was about the mitzvah. Sefer Dvarim is full of guidance of mitzvahs that you have there in Hakel. So here you see, again, a second proof. Then he goes off on a, tenge, on a side note and he says, However, I don't, now you're going to say, oh, so I need to hire a teacher for my girls, so I'm going to hire a bacher. He says, no, no, no. You can't bring a bacher to lamid Lebanais, even if the father is in the home. Now remember, the education that's going to happen here, the girls aren't going to school. It's in the home. So the idea is the father is working in the home. He has an office. He's like, okay, I'm going to hire a bacher and the next room over. He's going to teach the girls. So Rabbi Yehuda says this is not okay because uh, even if you're not going to have the problem of yichud, you're going to have the problem of hirurim and it's not Sneistic, and uh, koil biisha erva. The voice of the woman is erva. I don't know if he means dafka because of singing the learning or maybe he thinks even outside of singing it's a problem. But anyway, so he doesn't want the idea of a bacher So who should teach? in another source, in Sefer Chesedim, he says the father himself should do it. The father alone should do this teaching. Now he goes right there and says, I'll bring you another piece of evidence that this is something that should be done. And he goes to the story of Isha Shunamis. And the Isha Shunamis, is very clear from the story that every Shabbos and Heshchodesh, she would go to the Navi. Why is she going to the Navi? She's going to the Navi, he says, because th- those were designated times for her to learn Torah. Turn the page, then he says, Avoboimek, he comes back to what you shouldn't do. But oimeh ka'alachu deep depth, and pilpol, no obligation. Or mitzvahs that they don't have to do, also no obligation. But he comes and says, the mitzvahs that they need to do, they need to learn it. And then he says, language. Language, I don't care. You want to learn in Hebrew, learn in Hebrew. You want to learn in German, Yiddish, whatever you want is fine. Then he says, men have to learn in Lashon HaKodesh. But women, any language. Then he brings one last uh, source. The pasuk before out in Torah, the al the Saga the Yisrael, Chazal, tell us. Beis Yaakov is women. And Chazal also says, Soymer is Lush and Raka. Yeah, why is and Raka? Because you're not doing deep, complex pulpullen. So, Koy Soymer le straight up, the Torah, that's more straightforward. The levnei Yisrael, that's more Dvarim Koshim. Saget is Koshim. that's more of the pulpulim. In another passage in Sefer Hasidim, he looks at the first few psukim in dvarem. Because the opening passage in Dvarim says the law is asher diber Moshe el kol Yisrael, that Moshe spoke to all Jews. Two Psukim later it says, Daber Moshe al b'nei Yisrael, he spoke to b'nei Yisrael, sounds like only the males. So he makes a difference, he says, when it was all Jews, that's Dvarim hamukobalim l'kol, things that everyone could accept, Kigoin, Agada umedrish, v'talmud b'loy Dvarim, very interesting. He's not talking about halacha here. But he's assuming that all, even women, are listening to Agadah, Agadata, Midrashim, uh, the Talmud that doesn't have Kush's, Dvarim shem, Kulam, these types of things everyone's doing. Dvarim chamorim, more like Kalvachoymer and shava, and going through the Midrashat, that's only for the men. The re- bottom line result is we see between these passages of the Sefer Siddim that he wanted that a father should teach. His daughter, and it seems like there are two things that are going on. One is the halacha, and he's, he's bringing proof after proof after proof. If everyone was doing this, and everyone agreed, he wouldn't be bringing these proofs. The reason he's bringing these proofs is because people disagreed with him. And you may ask, how can you disagree? Everyone understands that to be a a Jew you need to have this information. We'll return to that in a second But clearly people were disagreeing what he was saying about halacha But we also see in this text it wasn't limited to halacha because he seems to be talking about agada and medrash Which presumably is these aren't difficult things they help, they're warm, it's inspiring, it's nice There's many important lessons you learn for life So maybe you wouldn't call it halacha per se but you call it more musr that guides a person And so therefore the Sefer Chassidim is saying that this should should, uh, happen and it ends up in the Shulchan Aruch. This ends up, this innovation ends up in the Shulchan Aruch. How so? Because the Ramah quotes it, not from the Sefer Chassidim, but he quotes it from other sources that are all coming from this period in time. The Lashon of Ramah in HaIsha Dinim Hashayachim Le'Isha And then the al when it comes to the Al-Tarebbe Shulchan Aruch, the al elaborates on this Din and follows it. And by the way, this is true for a lot of Sefer Chassidim. It was once a time that you had the group of these hasidei Ashkenaz, they were like a standalone entity within Ashkenaz. What eventually happened is they ceased to be a standalone entity and much of their Mesoira and Menhagim filtered into standard Ashkenazi Jewry. Not everything, a lot. And that kind of became the result with the Ramah codifying it and the Al-Tarebbe bringing it as a result as well. Let's read what the al says inside in Olchas Chastama Torah. After saying women oh, should not learn Torah, because he passes like the Rambam nonetheless gamma ocean kaiov is at and to know it and he gives examples Dine nida Tfila, immersion malicha salting meat isr yichud the prohibition of seclusion male and female and all the mitzvos say that ain't grama, that aren't time-bound mitzvahs that women are obligated in doing, and chal mitzvahs say shall shaltoyerah, every single lai shall divere sifrim. All of these things uh, the women need to learn. Now, the Altarabah adds an interesting line. And he says that in the olden days, you used to have the Chacham used to doyresh, hilchas ha or u or lois, or chal adam le He used to have that the rabbi would give a communal speech about practical halacha in a language that even the women and even the people who are ignoramuses would understand. And this happened mid-day Shabbos, The Sefer Chassidim spoke about that. The Sefer Chassidim spoke about the Isha Shonama's going to the Navi to learn. Al Altarebbe seems to be using that and saying, you may have a question if the Sefer Chassidim is right, and if the Ramah is right, how come we don't find in the Gemara this din? This idea that there's an exception. Oh, my Rava that when Rabbi Eleazar said, don't teach your daughter because of all the negative things, there's carve out a huge exception for Halachas Hatzriches. And by the way, it's not a small thing. Halachas Hatzriches, the way the Alter Rebbe makes it sound, is a huge area of Jewish law. Why is it no mention in the period of the Goinim of this? Why is it no mention in the early period of the Roshonim? So the Alter Rebbe seems to be saying the reason is because they had it. Just they weren't learning it from a text. They would learn. They go to the shul. They heard the rabbi say, "This week is X," and so therefore you need to know the following. And, and every week they talked a little about Shabbos and other relevant things. And like this, the women learned the material. Now the Alter is saying that for whatever reason the drushes aren't al The, the Alter when it came to the Shabbos drasha, also mentions it that it used to be halachah Now it's these big pull and there aren't al Okay, so now the Sefer Chassidim came and said that we need an issue. We need a Introduce this reform. Now, I asked before; I said before that it was controversial, and that's why the Sefer Chizit had to fight for it. So, I asked before: How could it be controversial? Everyone understands that the, the that that the women need to have this knowledge to live as a from Yid. Now, if you say the rabbi is going to give a sermon, good. So the rabbi give a sermon. But now we just established that that wasn't happening either. Either. So who could have a problem with the Rabbi Yehuda Chizit? Answered, who said, "Well, we got the answer from the Ma'aril." The Mariel lived in the late 1300s, early 1400s, or I don't remember right now actually which century he lived in, either the late 1300s or the late 1400s in Ashkenaz, in Mainz. And the Mariel has a shila. And in the shila, someone asked him, how could you say it's Tiflos, it's negative to teach women Torah? Don't they need to know Halachas atzrichos? Literally lifting the passage from Sefer Chasidim and saying, don't they need to learn? It? And then he says, and we find Brurion women like that. And then he quotes the Gemara. That sefer chasidim had that in the times of Chizkia, the women were very knowledgeable about uh, tuma and tara. So the Mariel answers, tshuva. <speaking in Hebrew> to teach women, <speaking in Hebrew> yes, it's true they need to do all this. <speaking in Hebrew> women should not be taught. Then he says an amazing line here. <speaking in Hebrew> Even if it would be a mitzvah to teach women. I would invoke the principle of ace here. What does this mean? There's this teaching in the Gemara that although the law may be one thing, sometimes the Chachamim have the cleach to say that it's better for Judaism if we suspend the law in this area because the, me- the ends justify the means. So he's saying that the end, even if it were an obligation to teach women, we would suspend it because the end justifies the means. The Yat Tzacharebev say that anything you're gonna gain, the loss is gonna be a lot more. He does not elaborate on what it means, but I don't know if he has to because we already have the Rambam from before and we already have Rashi from before. So he basically is saying if they're right, and I think what they're saying is right, it's just a terrible idea even if they would be obligated. And so therefore, no, there shouldn't be any of this formal education. How much more so that they're not commanded? Ah, here's a million-dollar question. What about the knowledge for the mitzvahs? They could learn it. They could learn it through just receiving the general principles from the environment. And when they have doubt, they ask a Rav. And look what he says here. We see it in our generation. is that many of them are very well versed in the, the, the dinim of salting meat and of washing meat and Nikor removing the Gidan and the Hilchis Nida. And look what he says here. So, what he means by Kabbalah is without books. That for him is the line he doesn't want crossed. And that he says, and that's what happened by Hiskia. The days of Hiskia, yes, it did show Torah was so powerful and was so widely disseminated. The men learned Tum and Tara so well, so they observed it, and then the women and girls picked it up, but they picked it up by osmosis, not by formal training. And this is what he says. And he says, and my evidence is, it says over there, also tinik and tinnikis. You think little girls learn mamish every din and tomatara? Can't mean that. So what does it mean? Osmosis. Good, so it means osmosis also for the older uh, women. And this is his argument. This answers the question. The debate was, this was the debate, I know that the Maril is living later than Rabbi Yudah HaHassid. So the debate was an ongoing debate. It was, a on deba- it was a debate during the time of Hasidiy Ashkenaz and it was a debate later in the period of the Maril, the end of the Tukuf of the Rishonim. And what was the debate? The debate was, we, women need to observe halacha, what's the best way to get that done? Without having a rabbi teach them. So this, that, now you understand the Kiddush of the Sefer Chassidim. The Kiddush of the Sefer Chassidim was that there should be some sort of formal education where the father sits the girls down and goes through material uh, in a book, doesn't matter what language, but there's a, a, presumably there's a Sefer, there's a book, something like that. The Mariel believed that it's possible to have all the Frumkite that you want without having any of that, and you could see. It's an interesting debate. Now historically, which one happened more? Marils implies that in his day, he's writing that in his day, most of the women are not having the formal education. So we know, Sefer HaChinoch, excuse me, the Rabbi Yoda Hasid is saying this should be done. We know sometimes it was done, I'm assuming it was done. Look, the non-Jews thinks that the Jews were doing it, so presumably it was happening. But at the end of the day, at, for most centuries, the majority, this was not happening. It was more the Maril's model was what was happening, and not the Sefer Chasidim's model. In other words, if you went, even in the times of the Al-Tarebbe, and even in the very villages where the Al-Tarebbe was living, and you would make an investigation to see, were the girls being formally educated and learning halachas I'm not saying, were they learning mamash halachas ha the way the Al-Tarebbe laid it out, my hunch is that the answer is no. The Arach Hasholchan says this, and he writes, He brings the Rama. He brings the Rama. You need to learn halachas asuriches. Look what the Arach Hasholchan says. However, may Never happened. We never learned from a book. aminik. It goes down from mother to daughter, and that's all that it is. Now it happens as follows. Came along the beginning of the twentieth century and the movement that girls need to have schools. Once girls need to have schools, and Gadol Yisrael signed on to the idea that girls need to have schools, so obviously there needs to be a curriculum. What's gonna be in the curriculum? That's when they f- the Psalm Postkin fell back on this idea, which although it wasn't being used for many years, all of a sudden you had sources to rely on. What do you have to rely on? You had, first of all, Sefer Hasiddim quoted the Hakka. Hakka was reading Torah Shabik so clearly, we should have Torah Shabbak in the curriculum. Then there's Halachas Hatzriches, so we should bring Ketzal Shochan Arach into the curriculum. That's Halachas Hatzriches. And then, the Sefer also spoke about Agada and Medrash, right? I know he mentioned Talmud, Baloy, Kush, Tvarim, but I'm going to ignore that for now. He mentioned Agadah and Medrash, and so let's have some Medrash and Agadah and Musar in the school curriculum. And that pretty much was the beginning of what the rabbis endorsed as the Judea curriculum in schools uh, like, uh, like Beis Yaakov. Okay, and there are differences of opinion in amongst a Peskim about how wide that should be, how narrow that should be, but that's where I wanna go now is start looking at sources, how the Rebbe addressed uh, this very topic. So when they put out the Sefer Amenhogen, Rabbi Groner and Rabbi uh, Greenglass in Montreal worked together on producing the Sefer Amenhogen and the Rebbe was heavily involved in the process uh, of putting out this work and at a certain point they had included this basic idea that women should learn and the Rebbe in his holy handwriting added the following uh, paragraph Sefer HaManog page 84 there is a concept of A constant obligation we're not even one moment of the day we don't have this obligation and it's both for men and women what is it Achtos Hashem Avas Hashem and Yiddos Hashem then the Rebbe points out that because of Yeridus Hadoidus that our generation is not as high as previous generations in terms of our stature therefore we need to work really 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 hard Lovely is to have the proper meditation, va'saga, adrusha, and the proper understanding in these things of Ahtas Hashem, which lead to Yira and Ava. So in other words, maybe once upon a time it was very easy to have Ahthas Hashem. Maybe once upon a time it was very easy to have Yira and Ava Sashem. Today it's very, very hard. And how do we obtain that? How do you get that? Mikol Zahmuvan, Shayava is Gamanosh, Bellimut Kheda Katara, women have to learn the portion in Torah that's gonna to bring Ava Sashem and Yuna Sashem. And women have to, are obligated to learn that part in Torah that discusses Achtas Hashem. How uh, the, the whole concept of Achtas Hashem, which is basically the Rebbe saying, the Halachis Hatzrichoist model includes learning, Primia Satera includes learning Chassidus. And here I'm going to show a pattern where the Rebbe basically working within Halachis Hatzrichoist Expanded and expanded the boundaries of what halaches atzriches are. And here, in this text that the Rebbe wrote in his own handwriting, establishing, and then the Rebbe referred to this many, many times, that learning chasidis is part of halaches atzriches. Let's recall what did Sefer Chasidim say? That one of those things women shouldn't learn is teyre, the, the secrets of the Torah. And here the Rebbe is saying Sefer Chasidim's very model, which is halaches atzriches, demands of us that we teach. Chasidis. So there are two thoughts that I have about that. Number one, you see the rabbi talking about you read Maybe then the wasn't a need. Today there is a need, number one. Number two, there's another important thing here. This gets into a much larger conversation about is there a difference between Kabbalah and chassidists. On a very simple level, Kabbalah and chassidists are not trying to do the same thing. is goal, and you know, we started learning Shara Yechud ve'amunah, you're able to see. Shara Yechud ve'amunah is supposed to be the first volume of Tanya. So in a sense you could say this is like the opening of what chassidists is about. And what does Shari Yechud Vamona says? You need to have Avas Hashem, you need to have Yeraz Hashem, and for that you need to have Achtos Hashem, so therefore I'm producing this text on Shara Yechud Vamona. And so that's what Hasidus is geared for. Hasidus is geared for Avas Hashem and Yeraz Hashem that comes through a proper understanding of Achtos Hashem. But Stam Kabbalah, including the Kabbalah that the Hasidah Ashkenaz were involved in, well, it was about learning the secrets of the Torah, and not necessarily was it geared and tailored toward this goal. And so therefore, it's not, Rabbi Yudah could say no to Kabbalah, but the answer could be yes to Chesidus nonetheless. This is all khsidis. But then, there are at least four letters of the Rebbe where the issue of learning Gemara comes up. Now the issue of learning Gemara, should really, it should be off the table. Where everything that we've been learning about Rabbi Yudah said, not Gemara, not Oymek, not Kalvuch not Zereshava. Every page of Gemara has this type of material. We, till now, we left some room where we say, oh, that's not allowed. That's Tiflos. That's what Rabbi Eliezer said no to. And the Rambam and Shochan Aruch all endorsed it. And so you have these two lanes. You have the Tiflos lane. That's a no-no. You have Halach Hasat That's okay. Um, and presumably, before we leave these letters, you'd assume that Gemara falls into the category of the, the no-no. So, let's look at the first letter, Yud, this is a letter from Tav Shin, Yud tes on page, Tav Samache. And what does the Rebbe say? In response to your question. You're talking about an idea of learning Gemara in a mixed class of boys and girls. So the Rebbe says, really? There are two questions here. One is, should we be teaching Gemara to women? Two, is is it okay to have mixed classes? So the Rebbe, we're not. The issue of mixed classes is not for today. So the b'maina lish aleph about the first question. B'chlal as a general rule, Zor lizar b'chegainda. You need to be careful. Shaloi lifroids geder anog not to break out of the norms and the boundaries in a specific place. In other words, what the Rebbe is saying is, if you live in a community that has a norm that women don't learn Gemara and you're going to start learning Gemara, that's inappropriate. We're very sensitive to the idea of communal norms and not breaking communal norms. And that's the first point the Rebbe says. But if there isn't a minig in the place where you're living. So then the Rebbe says, You shall follow the din of the altar Rebbe, Shulchan Aruch and Hilchas Talmatoi about HaLacha. That what? Shagam Noshin is Lilmoid. Women are obligated to learn. Halacha, namely the halacha, that's relevant to them. And therefore the Rebbe says, choose a tractate that discusses the relevant halachas. What? Did did we just read that correctly? The Rebbe is saying that if there isn't a norm in the community that you're breaking, choose a mesechta of Gemara that is relevant and based on what? Based on the p'sak of halachas atzrichas. So in other words, now, what does Halachas mean? That not only learn Ketzal Aruch, but learn the background of those very Halachas. That's what it sounds like here. Okay, but there's only one letter. Now let's go to another letter. This is from way later. In Tav Lamid. You're asking a question about teaching Gemara to girls. So, again, the Rebbe does the same thing. Here is the Lashon of the Alter Rebbe in Hilchas Torah, And he quotes the whole Lashon in accordance with that ruling, girls have a huge area of learning that is possible in Gemara. Again, based on the Alter Rebbe. The Rebbe is expanding the boundaries of what HaWachas HaTzriches are, that as long as it's talking about something that's relevant to women's lives, so then that's part of the Psaka of the Alter Rebbe. Which is an amazing thing. Then the rabbi as Be'ikr, it's Shulchan Aruch, and Kitzor Shulchan Aruch. By the way, even Shulchan Aruch, there are poiskim who would not bring a Shulchan Aruch into a girls' school. Kitzor Shulchan Aruch, yes. But learning in the Shulchan Aruch, or the Mechaber, and the Ramah, and that type of stuff, no. But the rabbi here says, Gemara, Shulchan Aruch, and Kitzer Shulchan Aruch, of course. Limud, Hamevi, Lidei Maisa. There are two other letters of the... Uh, um, Uh, of the the Rebbe uh, on this subject and one of them, the Rebbe writes, someone saying he's learning Gemara, so the Rebbe writes, Imrak Bekalu, if it's easy, if you get this done, you should organize in a way that you're learning the sughis that are shayiches le'nyanim shalpoel. And um, I heard from Rabbi Groner when I was in Australia, he told me that his father started a shir for women in Gemara, and the Rebbe said it should be sughis that are relevant to uh, the woman's life. So here we see two major steps that the Rebbe took here. One, saying chassidis, is part of Halachas atzriches, And number two, saying that Gemara, depending on the Mesechta, also is part of Halachas atzriches. Here's another situation where the Rebbe did this. The Fidic Rebbe spoke a lot, and wrote a lot, about the ancestry of the Alta Rebbe. And the Fidic Rebbe wrote about a, a, a man, a rabbi by the name of Baruch Batlan, and his son-in-law, Reb Moshe. And he writes about them, uh, and this is printed in Sefer, on Tavshon Tes, page 43. He writes, that Lom doing an Abban Torah, they taught Torah to the women. <clears throat> and he writes that Rebaruch learned with his daughter Rachel. This Rachel married Reb Moshe. This was a secret. In other words, uh, because it was controversial. Then he says as follows Rachel had a daughter whose name was Dveirelea. Dveirelea was the sister of Rebaruch, and Rebaruch is the father of the Altarebe. So the Altarebe's aunt, Dveirelea, was a Olamdon- Lamdonis. The Altarebe said, as is given a And the Fidic Rebbe adds, then, in those days, saying someone was a Lamden meant something. And says, Lamda Rambam and Gomorrah. Okay, now the question is, how are we supposed to understand this? How's this water alluding Rambam and She's a Lamden. What's going on over here? So the Rebbe wrote a footnote to the Sikha of the Fidik Rebbe. And what does the Rebbe do? The Rebbe says, See the Shochan Oroch Yehiradeah, see the Sefer Chasidim, see Hilchas Torah, and quotes the Alta Rebbe on Hilchas Torah that says, Halaches Hatsrikhis, you need to do. In other words, what's the justification for this Rachel and this Dvar to have learned this Gemara, to become a lamdin and a real lamdin and to learn Rambam, and to learn Gemara? It's Halachas atzeriches. So we have four letters of the Rebbe, and we have this, all of a sudden, really making a case, the Rebbe is, 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 is saying something here about how he understands Halachas atzeriches, at least today. All of this came to a head, I guess you can say, when the Rebbe had a meeting with the Belzer Rebbe, Dalet under Sheini, Tafshin, Mem, Aleph. And the Rebbe was speaking to him about the need to learn Hasidus in the schools, boys' schools and the girls' schools. So he said that Hasidus is deep stuff, and his understanding, his masoira is that while there are some elements of Torah that should be learned, anything that's depth, that is in the lane, that's Tiflos, that's in the lane, that's not allowed. And I guess here I should point out that once you tell, once you have women learning Meseches Brachas and Meseches Shabbos and all those sugyas, so, so then you have to ask yourself, and what's wrong with learning then zvachim? Like you're gonna become sophisticated through zvachim in a way that you didn't, in a way that's gonna to lead to cunningness and shrewdness that's negative? Like it's, it's, a, it's a fair question to ask on, what, on the Shitta of the Rebbe, like why would you then draw the line? Or, what now is prohibited? Once you reach this page, st- space where you say, Khsidis, all good. Gemara, anything Allah has said, is good. So then, like what? Nah. Okay. We'll, we'll return to that in a second. So the, the Rebbe is having this discussion. And the Rebbe says, and he says, I'm against Hamaka. You can't go deep. That's a clear line. Because you go deep, then you run into the problems that we we're speaking about. Either R- Rambam, they're not going to understand it, so you're wasting your time. Or Rashi, you're developing a, a, a character, you're, they're going to weaponize it in a negative way. So the Rebbe said, "No, you need to have depth. Today, people want depth. If you're not going to give men or women depth, they're not going to appreciate what you're saying. It's not going to go anywhere." And it needs to, the, the Rebbe brought uh, numerous cases to uh, demonstrate the point. So the Belzer Rebbe asked a very good question. He says, "If you follow your logic, you should be learning Mishnah and Gemara, which the Belzer Rebbe was not doing in his Moisdes." So he asked the Rebbe. By the way, all this you could hear on tape. Just according to the Rebbe, should we be teaching girls Mishnah and Gemara? So the Rebbe said, Mishnayis is not a Shiloh. Mishnayis is just halachis. So he the Rebbe said, I don't see an issue with learning Mishnayis. You're just learning halacha. And uh, presumably, assuming, if you want to say that the Rebbe means here Mishnayis on areas that are relevant to a woman's life, then what's a Shiloh? By the way, there's a show Moshe Feinstein where he says, absolutely not. Now I'll teach Mishnayis. He answered learning the uh, Mishnahis. The Rebbe said, doesn't see an issue learning the Gemara, The Rebbe said as follows, when they asked me, it's an interesting question when they asked me, I answer that they should teach the Gemaras that are connected to Halachis, like for example, Shabbos and other. The Rebbe is saying, I never gave a hoyera. I never publicized what should be done. But when I'm asked about this, this is what I've been said. So now we have like five examples of the Rebbe basically using this idea of Halachas Hatzrichas includes uh, the Gemara. So then the the Belzer Rebbe asked the great question. So then what's Malamda Tiflus? What is prohibited in your model? And here's what the Rebbe responded. The Rebbe responded, my point has been that today Tiflus is out there using the idea of using your head to do negative behavior for men and for women, for everyone. That's already kind of the default because of the environment that we live in. So no, you can't say that teaching Torah is gonna lead to someone doing an Aveda, no. We live in a society where we're so exposed and overexposed to so many different influences, that is the negativity within us. And that's what we're up against. And that's what we need to battle. And how do you battle that? You battle that with having expanded Torah learning. So in other words, the Belzer Rebbe asks, where is the Tiflos?" And the Rebbe seems to be saying, there isn't. There isn't a lane that is, uh, that is off limits. That's at least the implication that's that, 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 that happens all the year. There's an interesting Hemshech to this. In where the conversation then turns to whether the girls and the Belzer Moistus are overexposed. Because the Belzer Rebbe feels that they're not. So... He's saying, what do you mean? Like our girls, we're going to protect them and we're going to shield them and we're going to make sure they don't see and learn things that are going to le- put uh, any negative influence within them and then I feel like we're good. And the Rebbe seemed to be saying that if you're doing that, then you're es- essentially minimizing your reach. In other words, I, I, the Rebbe was saying you should have breita Chavis, and I think you have breita uh, sagis and that should mean reaching more people and more families, and that would inevitably include some of those people who you're excluding in what you're saying right now. Fascinating discussion. But anyway, all of this is till Shabbos, Parshas, Emer, tafshinon Shabbos, Parshas, Emer, tafshinon You have an amazing sikhah from the Rebbe. The Rebbe was Magia, uh, this specific sikhah. And the major idea in this sikhah is that it's a great idea for women to have a lot of learning of Torah. L'chol Rabbi says, first of all, hanashim chayava is ma'ed, halachas hatzricha islam. They need to learn the relevant halachas, which the Rabbi says, it's a ribu, y'gadod halachas hatayra, it's an abundance of halacha. Halavai, if only kal were biki and if only all the men were Bucky in this. Okay. We know that already. V'oid ve'ikr, more important, limut penimias hatayra, learning chasidus, v'yesh lo'hoysif b'zay, Gam ege'a l'halachas Learning chasids. Okay. So far, we didn't learn anything new. Halachas Hatzriches and Chassids. Then the Rebbe says as follows. we should add, Also, things that are irrelevant, they should be learning. That's new ground right now. We never had that before. V'chal in ha-toyrah, all inyane Okay, I'll be honest with you. Some people they look they get a little com- uncomfortable with this, you know, if if uh, because uh, the Rebbe seems to be breaking down boundaries over here. Okay, so the Rebbe asked the question himself. The Chacham said not to teach the Torah So the Rebbe here makes three points to make the case of why we don't need to be concerned about that. Point number one. The Rebbe alludes to the idea that we spoke about earlier. That throughout Jewish history, there were always women who excelled in Torah learning. In other words, this din was never absolute. From day one, it was never absolute. Because we had the daughter of Reb Shmuel in Baghdad. We had Bruria. And we had throughout history women. So there was always exceptions. Once you say there's always exceptions, then we could be open to expanding what the exception will look like. If one person could be an exception, can you perhaps say a generation could be an exception? So that's the first point that the Rebbe points out, is the fact that there were exceptions in the past. Then, the next point that Rebbe makes is that we see that a major leap has been made in recent generations. What's the major leap? The fact that women don't stay home, girls don't stay home, but they go, to At the time when this started, when the Beis Yaakov started, this was controversial and this was new and people were saying, how you talking? But, all the major, all, most of the major place said this is a great thing to do. So that's also a precedent where we see already there was a major change in women's education and and it was a change and it was a change and nonetheless, it happened already. So now if you have data point one and you have data point two and now we're gonna add a third piece. What's the third piece that we're gonna add? The lashon of the Rebbe is, Shabalav Hachi, two lines on the bottom on the right hand column. Shabalav Hachi, The same point that he made with the Belzer Rebbe. That with, with, with you or without you, the women are ex- very much exposed to different types of learning, and I don't think he necessarily is limiting this to academic learning. I think it's general exposure. And therefore, that armumis, whatever you want to define that, as that information that gets into your head and shapes your identity and leads you to do something negative, that's already there. And so therefore, what was the purpose of this din, l'chatchila? Why did the rabbis, why did Rabbi Eleazar said no? He wanted to guard what? Yiddishamayim and Frumkite. If that's your motive, you've got to flip it around today. If that's your motive, Hadei Eloi Zubavad not only is permitted to teach Shabbat, and remember he's in this section he's talking about Tershepah beyond what's relevant Elay Mesaidum is that moreover, a pi tam alochazu atma, if you follow the spirit of the law, of Rabbi Eliezer's law, tsari shabalpeh, loi rak limud halochis psukas balitameh, and not only dry law, elagam limud ta'ime halochis, also the background and the reasons of allochis. Remember, Rabbi Huda Khassan himself said not to learn the time alohes. The ad la Shaklevataria the back and forth. Back and forth, what does that sound like? Without saying it, what does that sound like? Sounds like he's saying the word Gemara, but he didn't say the word. I'll grant you he didn't say the word. But what's the goal? by the nature. A man or a woman. You derive more pleasure when you learn the reasons. You derive more pleasure when you get involved in the discussion and in the debate. And then, what do you gain from that? When you go through that process, then your mind, your brain, your identity is developed in line with the Torah. So, in other words, what the Rabbi is saying is like this: If you live in an age in where you're feeding your mind with all different types of ideas, whether they're academic, ideas in a school setting or in a college setting, or even on the street, listening to the radio, reading magazines, or just talking to friends, or reading social media. All that goes somewhere. Nothing doesn't go, all that goes somewhere, and all that shapes identity, and all that shapes character. And that has consequences. And, and living in that type of society, in that world today, that's what we're up against, and that's what we need to battle against. So how do you do that? You don't just do that by saying, well, I'll learn another hour of Twitter with you. I'll learn two more hours of Twitter with you. No, what you need to do is you need a hook in the mind. You need to hook in the very identity of the students. And how do you do that? When all of a sudden their brains are struggling in a concept of Torah, they're getting involved, they're getting, they're enjoying it, they're meditating upon it, they're thinking about it, it draws them in, they're dreaming about it. All of a sudden now, what's shaping their mind rather than the Reader's Digest, what's shaping their mind is the, is the shtickle of learning, whichever learning it is. And that's what we need uh, today. So what was this based on? This was based on three points. One point is, I said before, there's already an exception. That makes it easier for us. The fact that there was always an exception means you have one exception, we can make bigger exceptions. Number two, rabbis already made a huge leap in this area by opening schools. So, and now there's this need that the rabbi is saying, put that together, you have this bundle, women should be learning even areas in Torah that are beyond the Halachis Hatzrichis. Now, then, we come to the next part of the Sikha. We're wrapping it up, three more minutes. The Rebbe says as follows. Interestingly, it turns out that we live in a generation now when there's a safa and lima for women. Why is this happening on a more deeper metaphysical reason? So the Rebbe says, we're getting closer to the era of Moshiach. And as we get closer, one of the markings of the era of Moshiach is tar ba'adea widespread knowledge. So therefore it makes so much sense that as you get closer to that, there's going to be more knowledge. And so, therefore, it makes so much sense that there's a major Isafa and limud hatorah that's going on today in our world. Why dafka with women? Why is isofa dafka with women? So, the rabbi adds in a footnote the esh that the reason is dafka with women because al pi kabbalah, the era of Mashiach, is an era of esh as teres That the woman is like a crown above the husband's head. And what does this mean? Without getting into the depth of the chasidis, is that there is the level. That represent the woman on the spiritual level, which in Zmala Golos is lower than the level that represents the man, will be flipped. And the Mashiach's time is going to be a crown above the head. So, therefore, because the Messianic era is a feminine era, so therefore the Isafah unlimited Ataira, it makes sense that it happens, Dafka, through women. Okay. So, now like this, I want to wrap up this uh, with the following. The Rebbe we know, had the campaign of Rambam. And the Rebbe would talk about the three peruanos of Habrayan. The Rebbe would talk of Vart on that day's Rambam. This included the kinos of the women. The women would have a kinos every year before Shavuos. And the Rebbe would speak about, very often, spoke about the day's Rambam. Which sheer? The three perukim. The shir or three perukim. So on the sicha, it's Moga, Khafeir, or The Rebbe said as follows. The primary shear of Rambam for women is to be in the track of Sefer Amitzus. Why? It's very interesting. The Rebbe didn't speak about intelligence. The Rebbe didn't speak about capacity in terms of mental capacity or anything like that. The Rebbe said that because women are busy with Chinuch HaBonim and HaBonim at home, most of their time is dedicated to that. So therefore, they have a smaller shear in Rambam. That is the only reason they have a smaller shear. Then the Rebbe said the following. Afal became every single Jew, once, and it's trying, taking the necessary steps, to go up, to grow, meaning, to go from Sefer Mitzvah to Parakeh Echad, until the maximum of Gimel Prakim Leyon. So here you see that even three Prakim, the Rebbe thinks that women should have that as a goal, as an aspiration, as something that they are looking for. So I'll conclude like this. We saw an amazing journey over here, because you started with a Gemara, where once we pasken like, yes, there is the voice of Ben Azai there, but once you pasken like Rabbi Eliezer, which is what happens in the Rambam, and the Machaber, and the Shulchan Aruch, and the Torah, it's like the door is shut. There is nothing other than the exceptions of the amazing women, the one in a 1,000, or the one in 5,000 who, who excelled. But other than that, the door was shut. And then what we found was the innovation of the Sefer Hasidim. Weird, this idea of learning formally, halaches hatsrikhes, was introduced. It was applied, but wasn't really so applied until we come to the Beis Yaakov era, when it's applied pretty broadly, and that is, I think, standard today, how it is applied broadly. But it could be applied in a very narrow way. We're learning kitsa for the specific things that the women need. And in some places, that's where it is. But then, I showed you that with the Rebbe, we saw a more maximalist understanding of this din, putting Hasidus into it, and putting Gemara into it, as long as it's relevant. And then on top of that, in this and Tavshanun saying, there needs to be something beyond that, and on top of that, as we just explained, and elaborated at great length. So Mechanchem, and rightfully so, have a discussion and a debate, and I think there's differences of opinion. What does this mean practically for a girl's curriculum today, in this community and in other communities? And let's remember, the Rebbe spoke about minnega The Rebbe spoke before about you have to be sensitive to what local norms are. So that's another factor that needs to be taken into consideration when dealing with this. And so there is a disagreement on this issue. How much? Where? Should it include gamara? Should it be for everyone? Should it be for some? And this is a uh, fine. It's a valid discussion and debate that the machan can have. And I don't have any uh, public views on that specific uh, on that specific matter. But what I do have public views on is that what everyone could agree is the goals and the language that the Rebbe did speak about over here. And I'm going to add, it's not only relevant for women. It's also relevant for men. The Rebbe spoke about over here this idea that there needs to be a tinyal g'lemudat Torah. You need to have that. A Jew today, if they didn't have an experience in their education, where they had a if they didn't have an experience in education where it was a real intellectual experience, which is clear words in the Sikha, then we're, then, we're, then, we're, then we're not living up to what our, our mandate is. So the mandate has to be that there's, there's depth, there's sophistication, there's gishmak, so much so that it shapes identity. And the question for us as parents, and the question for us as mechanchim is are we achieving that goal and are we doing everything in our power to be able to achieve that goal? Or as the Rebbe said, that our chushim and our kishrainis, the basic elements of our emotions and and our mental identity should be in line with Torah and guided in that way. And that's also relevant for men. And that should be an inspiration for us to take a little more time to learn Torah because that's one of the goals of learning Torah is that it shapes our mind. And circling back, to the woman of the Saito. We started with, let's remember what Chazal said. The avera happens, occurs because of the ruach shtos that lands on a person's mind. So everyone needs to create for themselves, male and female, something that's gonna battle against that ruach shtos. And we see here the Rebbe saying that a key element of that is a deep, sophisticated, uh, um, comprehensive way of learning Torah in a Geshmakah, geshmaka way. Okay.